Hi everyone, welcome to the page to screen edition of the Atkin County Public Library podcast, where each month we'll be discussing a book that has been turned into a movie or TV series, as well as the reception of each. We're towards the end of our 2021 summer reading program, Tales and Tales, so for this month's page to screen topic, we're going to discuss a short adventure novel that was published in 1903 and set during the 1890s Klondike Gold Rush. There have been five movie adaptations in the 118 years since the book's release, with the last making its cinematic debut last year in February. I haven't seen any of the other adaptations, so this discussion will be based on this last film iteration of the novel. If you were ever a fan of books based on animals as a child, then I'm sure you will already be familiar with this classic. Call of the Wild is set in Yukon, Canada, which is the smallest and westernmost of Canada's three territories, and falls into what is sometimes referred to as the animal story genre, in which an author attempts to write an animal protagonist without resorting to anthropomorphism. The author, Jack London, based this short novel on his experiences in the Klondike, as well as a St. Bernard Shepherd mix named Dawson that he met during that time, who is owned by his friends Marshall Latham Bond and his brother Louis Whitford Bond. London was born in San Francisco in 1876, and before the age of 20 had worked in many occupations, as an oyster pirate, a sailor, and even a mill worker. However, in 1896, after spending time roaming throughout the U.S., he was jailed for vagrancy. After this incident, he decided to continue his education and enrolled at the University of California at Berkeley. He ultimately would only spend one semester there, and in 1897, he gave up his studies to venture to the gold rush that was happening in the Klondike. London sailed from San Francisco to Juneau, Alaska with other hopeful prospectors and then hiked to the dangerous terrain along the Yukon River in Canada. At one point in the journey, London apparently built a boat and braved through the river's treacherous rapids. Onlookers watched on to see if he'd come out alive, and he obviously did. He did eventually reach the Klondike, but the enterprise was not as lucrative as he had hoped. London stayed in the Klondike for almost a year, living temporarily in the frontier town of Dawson City, before moving to a nearby winter camp where he spent the winter in a temporary shelter reading books he had brought, Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species and John Milton's Paradise Lost. In the spring, as the annual gold stampeders began to stream in, London left. He had contracted scurvy, which is common in the Arctic winters where fresh produce is unavailable. He decided to return to California, and with his companions, he rafted 2,000 miles down the Yukon River through portions of the wildest territory in the region until they reached St. Michael. There, he hired himself out on a boat to earn return passage to San Francisco. London may not have struck gold in the Yukon, but his memorable experiences and adventures there formed the ideas and plots for some of the stories and novels that he would later write, including Call the Wild. Published in 1903, This 122-page novel secured his reputation as a writer. Even today, it's probably still London's most respected and admired work. Call the Wild is a classic tale about a dog and his humans, and a grand adventure epic all rolled into one. Dogs were crucial to the Yukon Gold Rush, as horses could not survive easily in the harsh conditions, with no grass to eat in the perpetually snow-covered environment. As such, many dogs were brought north to carry and pull supplies. However, there were not enough dogs available. This caused many dogs to be stolen in the lower 48 states and then sold north. I have read that during the height of the Klondike Rush, it was virtually impossible to find a dog in Seattle or Portland and even as far south as San Francisco. Dogs of all shapes and sizes, from poodles to Labradors to chows and spaniels, were stolen and sold. Many were worked to death in the mines and along northern trails. In a foreword to the 1994 edition of Call of the Wild, published by Macmillan Publishing Company, acclaimed author Gary Paulson stated that, in some places, their bones still bear testimony. I have seen them along the Iditarod Trail in Alaska. This brings us to our main protagonist, a 140-pound St. Bernard mix named Buck. 
the book starts out with Buck living a happy, comfortable life at a big house in the Santa Clara Valley with a man named Judge Miller. One night, the judge's assistant gardener, needing money to pay off gambling debts, steals Buck and sells him to a stranger. Buck is shipped to Seattle where he is confined in a crate, starved, and beaten. Shortly after, Buck is sold to two French-Canadian dispatchers from the Canadian government, Francois and Perrault, who train him as a sled dog for the Klondike region of Canada. In addition to Buck, Francois and Perrault add an additional 10 dogs to their team. Buck's teammates teach him how to survive cold winter nights in a backpack society. Buck changes human hands a few times and eventually ends up with a man named John Thornton, an experienced outdoorsman. Throughout the book and Buck's various adventures, he is pushed to the limit, and by the time he reaches Thornton, he is in very poor condition. Thornton nurses Buck back to health, and Buck grows to love him. While Thornton and his two friends pan gold, Buck hears the call of the wild, explores the wilderness, and socializes with a northwestern wolf from a local pack. At the end of the story, Buck follows the pack into the forest and answers the call of the wild, getting back to his ancestral canine roots. At some point, if you haven't already, read the book. Call of the Wild is classic literature that has stood the test of time, and it may seem at first to be the age-old story about a dog, but underneath that lies a tale of survival and a return to primitism, but also love and redemption. I think it's safe to say that the story is also an amazing allegory about human society and our primitive nature and base instincts, even if we are viewing it through a dog's eyes. Call of the Wild is recommended for reading levels grade reading level grades 6 through 12, but there are some brutal scenes within the story that some readers may not be comfortable with. We do have several copies of Call of the Wild here at Yakin County Public Library, and the book is also public domain, so you can find it free on Project Gutenberg at gutenberg.org. If you would like to request a copy, all you will need is an NC Cardinal Library card. So we know the book was a success, so how about the moody movie adaptations that followed? Well, this book, as mentioned earlier, has actually been adapted for the big screen five different times. It's safe to say that London's most popular novel made a lasting impression on mainstream culture. The first adaptation of London's story was a silent film made in 1923. The next version was released in 1935, starring Clark Gable and Loretta Young, and expanded the role of John Thornton. The 1972 movie, starring Charlton Heston as Thornton, was filmed in Finland. The 1978 Snoopy TV special, What a Nightmare, Charlie Brown, is another adaptation. And in 1981, an anime film titled Call of the Wild, How Buck was released, starring Mike Reynolds and Brian Cranston. A 1997 adaptation called The Call of the Wild, Dog of the Yukon, starred Rutger Hauer and was narrated by Richard Dreyfuss. The most recent adaptation was released on February 21, 2020, and starred Harrison Ford as John Thornton and a CGI dog for the canine hero of our tale, Buck. This movie was actually the last movie that I saw in a movie theater before the COVID-19 pandemic struck and shut everything down. I remember being initially very excited to see the movie with my family for my sister's birthday, Losing that excitement about 10 minutes into the movie upon seeing the CGI iteration of our boy Buck, and then begrudgingly continuing on my movie quest, and eventually, along with my family, shedding a few tears at the end. For all of the wholesome cheesiness of much of the film, you'd have to have a pretty hard heart not to be touched by it. The movie itself is beautiful, even if it is CGI, and the cast is brilliant. At the helm, we have the venerated Harrison Ford as Buck's best human friend, John Thornton. What I did really like about the movie version is that we see Thornton at the beginning of the movie and then throughout and again as the narrator rather than just primarily towards the end, which is where he shows up in the book. And that may be due to the fact that Ford is a sought-after actor, so they wanted to feature him more than the book originally does and draw in more viewers that way. 
Other cast members include Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey and Beauty and the Beast, as well as Karen Gillan from Guardians of the Galaxy. Kara Gee and Omar Sy play Francois and Peralt, and Bradley Whitford makes a brief appearance at the beginning as Buck's first owner, Judge Miller. The movie plot follows the book plot fairly closely, with a few changes here and there, in an effort to tone down the brutality of the original story. The details of the ending are changed as well from London's story in order to maintain a plot that is aligned better with the cultural atmosphere that we try to maintain in today's time. Other than those changes, the story is a fairly faithful adaptation. The Call of the Wild was released by 20th Century Studios. It was the first film to be released under the, current, under the company's current name. It received mixed reviews from critics who praised Ford's performance and the entertaining action and earnest tone, but criticized the uncanny, in quotes, CGI of the animals. It was a box office bomb, grossing $111 million against a production budget of $125 to $150 million, and this lost, this lost the studio an estimated $50 to $100 million. The movie is rated PG and currently has a 62% tomato meter rating, as well as an 89% audio audience score with 5,000 verified ratings. As I mentioned earlier, the CGI protagonist was effectively a thorn in my movie experience, but as the movie progressed on, it became clear that there were significant advantages to this. The excessive use of CGI may have dolted me out of the experience at times and made it somewhat difficult to focus on the plot, but I did appreciate the fact that the dog actors were kept firmly out of harm's way. So that is worth the trade-off in my opinion. Overall, I did enjoy the movie and would highly recommend it if you need a good adventure movie for a family night in. If you haven't seen the movie yet and you would like to, we do not own a copy at Yakin County Public Library, but we could place it on hold for you with an NC Cardinal Library card. If you have HBO Max, it's also available on that streaming platform as well. If you're familiar with either of these, I would love to hear how all of you felt about the book or the movie or both, so please feel free to follow us on social media. Whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, we would be happy to see you there. And if you haven't already, hit that follow button so you can follow this weekly podcast. Each week, Yakin County Library staff will be bringing you more topics, so be sure to check in every Wednesday. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all next month for the next installment of Pace to Screen. Happy Wednesday, everyone.